0: And she's like, uh, "Do you? Are you? You know, do you not like simple?" I mean, I love simple, uh, especially like when you, if you were here Wednesday night, you come off stuff like that, and you just don't know how in the world people are taking it. Uh, we're talking about the tribulation and stuff like that. So it's really good to go over some some very simple things and just just remind ourselves of some things. So Paul actually actually says in Philippians chapter three, he says it is needful that I remind you of these things. So we're going to look at this at this subject, the call of God. Uh, if you're like me, uh, if you, I grew up in church, have been in church my whole life, and if you're like me, sometimes certain subjects, as they get said uh, from a pulpit or from a teacher or from you know, somebody giving the word of God, certain things like the call of God, I can remember hearing those things as a kid, and I thought that was some kind of mystical, far-reaching thing that I would never know what God actually meant by that. Um, I, in other words, I thought that a call on somebody's life from the Lord, I thought it was only for special Christians. And I, I would look at these guys in pulpits as a kid, or I would look at these missionaries, or I would look at these other people, and I would think, man, they, I mean, they've got something. They've got some kind of extra Christian chromosome that I don't have access to. And man, only God is giving callings to them and not to me. However, we know the Word of God, and I may have not known that as a kid, but the Word of God does say that He is no respecter of persons. And if we're here this morning, if you're living and breathing, which everybody I'm looking at seems to be doing that right now, praise the Lord, if you're living and breathing, God has a calling on your life. And He has a calling on my life, and He has a calling on every single person's life that is alive. So, man, obviously, if, if He has a calling on our life, then it's, it's important that we, that we know what it is, it's important that we submit our life to it, and therefore, man, because of that, the judgment seat of Christ will be that much more profitable. So the call of God, we're using this. This will be a, a, a couple-week thing um, that will kind of unravel. So today will be just kind of a launching pad for that. But we're, we're looking at, at the life of Moses. Okay, Moses is probably somebody that most people are familiar with, even if you haven't been in church a long time. And what did Moses do? Well, Moses, he was the guy that his calling on his life, was to take the, the Israelites and take them out of bondage, to lead them out of bondage uh, into into Canaan. Now he obviously didn't get to make it to Canaan, but that was his that was his calling on his life. And so there's some things laid out here in this very popular story in Exodus chapter three, uh, where God is 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 coming to Moses in the burning bush. Right? If you've seen, I mean, everybody's seen Prince of Egypt, so we got at least a little bit of of uh, of, of biblical knowledge, if I can say that with a movie. Uh, so we, we all know kind of where we're at this morning in Exodus chapter 3, but man, there's some things I believe laid out as we propel ourselves into looking at a, a more detailed subject in the future with this whole thing of a calling on our life, and there's just some simple things I want to I highlight to you this morning from the life of Moses. So let's read the text, uh, Exodus 3, um, verse 1 uh, through 14, and then we'll, uh, we'll kick into this. Verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. I'll pause. It is funny this morning, uh, as we've mentioned several times about prayer room, and I would encourage you to, to come to that as we're starting this new series and to prepare your heart uh, before the service. But Brother Daniel was, uh, was laying out some things. And, and, and he was talking about it, and me and Miss Susan were talking about it, but this whole thing of an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, we were talking about how that's called a theophany. Well, I know it uses the word here in verse 2. I want you to know what, who's interacting with Moses here. This is, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, okay? This is Jesus Christ before he came to this earth as a man, okay? So, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, Out of the midst of a bush, and you'll see that very clearly here when we get to verse 5 and 6. And he looked, and behold, the the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Verse 4, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Okay, so God is talking to him in the same place that the angel of the Lord was present. That's how we that's a very simple analogy, how we know that. But verse five, and he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So he's looking upon Jesus Christ here in this passage. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. So we're starting to get into his calling here. What he is, why he's getting Moses' attention here. Which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites." and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send unto thee Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Very practical questions from Moses here when as God's laying out his calling. Verse 14, and, God's, and this is the same thing that is reality in, in all of our callings and should give us great comfort and great strength. But verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, "Thou shalt, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Okay, let's pray this morning. And I, I meant to say something when I got up here. Miss Kathy, what was your brother's name again? Doug. Okay, she asked for prayer for Doug, her brother. He's going to have surgery or already has? Okay, he's going to have surgery Tuesday. He has cancer. So be praying for Doug throughout the week. And We'll pray for him as we get into it. Lord, I thank you, God, for this time. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, get me out of the way, as always. I pray that, that your spirit and, would, would, would be the teacher through your book this morning, God. People need to hear the word of God, and I pray that that is the teacher this morning. God, I I specifically pray for Doug this morning. I pray that you would touch his body, that you would touch the doctors, that you would touch uh, all the nurses, everyone that's going to be involved in that surgery. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and strength, and that you would bring healing to Doug, and that you would get glory from Doug's life. God, be with us in this time. Be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, the call of God. Again, like maybe you're, maybe you're like me, as that kid, okay? Or maybe even to the last several years of my life, and, I, and I'm like, man, what really? What is that? In other words, I, I would, I would look at these people, and I thought because they were some kind of special Christian, that they got some kind of, uh, you know, amazing revelation, right? I mean, I know, I knew better, but I almost walked as though I lived my life as though they saw something in the stars that I just, I wasn't privy to, right? And we know, obviously, as, as good Bible believers, that's not how the Lord works. But here we see in Moses' life this call uh, laid out on Moses' life. So the call of God, obviously the Lord is, he is a God that calls people. Okay? he Again, I said it already, but he has a calling regardless of where you're at spiritually. He has a calling on your life right here and right now. Uh, There's a verse in Esther that is quoted a few times, and I I, I think about it so much, but it says that they were, these people were were born, these people were alive, and he uses this phrase, for such a time as this, and I'm always talking with Tori, we're always talking about these types of things, but man, it is such an amazing time to be living right now. And it's such an amazing time, not because the world's good, because the world is terrible. The, 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 uh, the culture of this world and then the culture of this country is awful, but it's an amazing time to live because we're living in a time that no other, no other Christian could say they're living in. And then that, that is the time that is, that is preceding the rapture. That is the time that is, it is, it is budding up to when Jesus Christ will appear in the clouds, and man... That ought to give us something. That, the, the fact that we're alive for such a time as this, that ought to do something for us. And so, as we lay this out, I, I just want to again remind you of some simple things on, why, on, on possibly remind you of what your calling is and then why it's important that we answer that call. So, again, God is a God that calls. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, we see here the beginning of the calling to Moses. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him. Now, obviously, I know he's verbally calling him. He doesn't verbally call us now. If he verbally called you to something, I would say that wasn't the Lord. That was probably something else, okay? So God doesn't verbally call us, but he obviously is calling Moses to something greater than himself here. And we even see that in Moses' life. He's He's like, what in the world? God, I'm not capable of doing the things you're asking for me, okay? So he's calling Moses to something that's greater than Moses in first uh, Peter 2: 21. again just reiterating that we that we can see here that God calling people to something is a very real thing for for, uh, for even here unto were ye called. And he's talking to Christians here because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Mark 9:35 this is the disciples just different. We got, it. we got Moses as an Old Testament person. We have the example in 1 Peter 2 of born-again uh, Christians. And then Mark 9, which is the disciples that he, that he brings to himself. It says in verse 35, And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. Okay, So obviously we know, we can see that God is, he, he is calling us to something. So number one, I want you to see and remind you of this, but we're going to ask this question. Who is God calling today, and what is he calling them to? Who is God calling today, and what is he calling them to? And I've already reiterated this several times, but I've obviously laid out the thing that everybody is called to something. So we need to know who he is calling and what he's calling them to. Letter A and this may seem different when we talk about God's calling on somebody's life, but letter A, he is calling the lost. He is calling the lost. Now, again, that's why I can, I can affirmatively say, regardless of where you're at spiritually, you may not even be anywhere spiritually. You may be spiritually dead, and your spirit needs quickening, needs to be made alive, and you need to have a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth, it comes through trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, that may be where you're at, but regardless of that, God still does right now, here and now, have a calling on your life, and it's that he, he's calling you to salvation. Uh, Luke 5, 32, he says, I, am, I, uh, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right. So what's the reverse logic there? He's not calling the righteous, so who is he calling here in this verse? He's calling people that are lost to repent. He's calling them to come to Christ. But this verse right here in Luke 5.32, this tells us some big things, even for the calling of, of Christians. It tells us some big things and some working definitions that I want you to see as we move forward in this. Two major things. First of all, that God is calling everyone to something. Okay, We already laid out examples for Christians. But even if you're lost, God is calling everyone to something. No one is, there's no exception. Regardless of what someone's done, there's no exception. He's calling them. And then secondly... This is big. God's call is an invitation to be, to be involved in something great that he's doing. So that, that is, that's, the, that's, the big, uh, that's where I dropped the ball as a kid in, in much of my youth, is I didn't view the call of God as an invitation. Now, certainly a call can be a command. He can command us to do some things, and that would be a calling on our life. But I think people... Do a great uh, disjustice by not seeing this call as an invitation. Well, how do we know it's an invitation? Well, because of Luke five thirty two, that he's come, he's he's calling sinners to repentance. Okay, he's inviting them to the free gift of salvation. Okay, so man, I want you to see that. Obviously, if you're lost, I want you to see that great that great invitation. I mean, it's the most important decision you can make in your life. But even as a saved person, I want you to to, to re to reevaluate how you see a calling that God is offering. He's giving an invitation just like with Moses to to, to embark on something that's bigger than you, that's greater than you. And and I would propose to you, we've talked about this in the youth several times, but you know it's an amazing thing to see the sorrow and the the, the sorrow-filled life that most people live in 2023. You look at you look at people, and, and as a teenager, I, I couldn't grab, uh, grasp my mind around it, but you look at people that seemingly have everything. They seemingly have already arrived at every pursuit that man tries to get to. You look at somebody in Hollywood, you look at a, some type of celebrity, and they have arrived there. They have the money. They have the fame. They have the ease of life. They don't have to work, right? They don't have to have Monday mornings. I mean, that to me, that seems like, I mean, hey, I would be good. I had no Monday mornings. I mean, praise the Lord. They have all of those things. But man, nonetheless, they wake up miserable. And the reason they wake up miserable is because they haven't yet found the purpose and why they're even alive. And man, this is the whole deal with Exodus chapter 3 is God is showing us something that his calling on our life is the surest bet at real life. It's the surest bet. And, man, we, have to, we need to submit our life to it. So I want you to see that. This calling is made to everyone, and this calling is an invitation. There's a, I didn't put this in your notes. It just literally came to me. But there's another verse that shows us this when it says, uh, Many be called, but few are chosen. So what is, that, what is that referencing? Okay. Again, this calling is an invitation. But why are only few chosen? Well, because there's only a few that actually accept the call. There's only a few that actually accept the, this great invitation, whether that be the invitation to salvation or that be the invitation to live a consecrated, fully surrendered life to Jesus Christ. So, man, this, I want you to, to, to think about that as we move forward and look at this. So, not, so letter A, who, okay, again, who is God calling today and what is he calling them to? Well, he's calling the lost to these things. But letter B, of course, we knew we were going to get here. He's calling the saved. He's calling the saved. He's obviously not calling us, if we're saved, to salvation. That's a one-time thing. He places us in Jesus Christ. But now he is calling us to some other things. And again, man, what an invitation to, to embark on something that is greater than myself. 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, who has saved us? Okay, who's the us? Okay, the, the people that were saved, the body of Christ. Who has saved us? And called us with a holy calling. And it's a holy calling that, he's, that he's, he's inviting us to. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Romans 8.28. This is, this, is, this is arguably one of the greatest New Testament promises in the word of God. Outside of things regarding salvation. But notice this. And we know that all things work together f- uh, for good to them. Okay, to who? To them that love God, but not just that. Okay, maybe, maybe you know Jesus Christ and you even doubt your, the sincerity of your love for him. Maybe that's you. But notice what he says. That, that, that these people are tied to something. It's to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, who is that? That is every single person that's trusted Jesus Christ. They're called according to his purposes regardless of if they submitted their life to it or not okay so that that brings us into something here to number two i want you to see the types of callings to believers the types of callings to believers and again if you're if you're lost here we'll revisit this at the end but god's call to you is to receive his son and if you're a believer here, I want to lay out some very simple reminders of what God is calling us to. Letter A, I want you to see God's general call. God's general call. These are the things that I didn't have to tell you this morning that you're called to. Very simple things. Uh, these are kind of the broad, this is, this is the mainstream call regardless of, of how God has spiritually gifted you. Okay. We all are. We all are in the same direction now. How he how he uh, directs our path to get to that direction may look a little differently, but we're all heading the same po- the same way. That's the general call. So Romans eight twenty eight again. Look at that verse, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Okay. Now I want you to pay attention to that word purpose there, because he, obviously he has a lot, He has lots of purposes, but. We compare Scripture with Scripture using certain words and certain phrases in the Word of God. So we're going to use that to, to, to uh, at least give us the first bullet point here. Again, what is His general call? Maybe you're saved, you know Jesus Christ, and you're saying, man, you're asking yourself rhetorically, am I living in light of God's calling in my life? That's something we, all, we should always be asking ourselves. Okay, well, here's the first one. 1st one, uh, subpoint. every believer is called to a local church. No, it's like, Dylan, why, we're here. Like, Why would you even say that, right? I mean, I get it. But every believer is called to a local church. Okay, again, I told you to pay attention to that word purpose there. We'll check out. It takes us to Ephesians 1, verse 9, which says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, what does that have to do with the local church? Well, the well the book of Ephesians is all about the mystery of the church, okay? And if you study the, the word church throughout your Bible, 90% of the time there is a universal church, okay? People say that if, if people tell you there's not, then they're, they don't know what they're talking about. Anybody that is, that is saved is a part of the universal body of Christ. But again, 90% of God's focus, when he's talking about a church, he's talking about a local church like greater hope. He's talking about a local assembly of people that gather themselves together and worship him. Okay, so again, notice this in verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. So man, God's will for every single person that is in Christ is to give themselves wholly to a local body. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. But as God hath distributed to every man... As the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. Man, our calling right now, regardless of where you're at, if you know Christ, your calling is directly tied to this local body. Okay, that's what God is laying out. Your calling is tied directly to this local body if this is where you call home, your church home. Okay, so as we look at that, man, I, without 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 being harsh or without being being crude or anything like that man what does it mean for me or for you to give ourselves wholly to a local church okay well for one it involves service okay so again we're, we're asking the question am i am i fulfilling god's calling in my life man if i'm not if i'm not submerged in service in a local church again without being harsh man i'm not i'm not i'm not submitted to god's calling in my life if i know jesus christ But then secondly, man, how do I know if I'm giving myself to a local church? Well, man, the local church has to be supported financially. And so if I'm not invested in that church with my wallet, and again, people get weird when you talk about the wallet, but with my wallet, then, man, I'm not fulfilling God's calling on my life. It's just that simple. And so this is, man, what what is this general call? Well, first and foremost, I'm called to a local church. Okay, and this is, I mean, if this is where you call home, this, this is to be your life. This is to be, everything is to propel you back to this place so that God's work can be done. That's what God's laid out. And then secondly, the, the, the very general thing here is every believer is called to make disciples. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know that, that, you know that to be the case. But every believer is called to make disciples. So why are these things why are these things uh, so connected? The fact that I'm that my calling is tied to the local church and my calling is tied to make believers. Okay, because what if I just say, you know, I'm gonna freelance that thing, and I'm gonna go out, I'm I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna make disciples of my own. I don't have to be tied to a church or anything like that. I don't have to invest in that church financially. I don't have to invest in that church with my service and my time. Okay, well the reason why they're connected is because we and, and most of us know this. Is because God's vehicle for his work in our day and age is the local church. And so what is his mission? His mission is that we make disciples, and the way that he wants us to get there, the the vehicle to get there of making disciples is this local church. So every believer is is called to a local church, and every believer is called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We could go to a thousand references here. But he's, this, is, this is after Jesus Christ has died and he's, he's resurrected. And that is actually where the New Testament begins. I know people, in our Bible, Matthew 1, it starts the New Testament. But Hebrews says, at when the death of a testator, okay, that it requires the death of a testator to usher in this new time. And when Jesus has died and rose again, and this is what he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So you can see that two-part thing that we've laid out so many times. But verse 19 is evangelism. How do we make disciples? Well, that we can't make disciples if we don't witness to people. Okay, we evangelize, and then we baptize them. Okay, and then verse 20, then we're teaching them after they've trusted Christ, we're teaching them to observe all things that he's told us. comes from this book, Okay. So that's what God's call. That's, that's the general call. And again, we probably, most of us knew that. It's very simple, but oftentimes I have to be reminded of that. Man, this is why I'm even living and breathing. This is it. Okay, let her be, though, God's specific call. God's specific call. Okay, again, this is, again, I, I said earlier, we're all heading in the same direction. Okay, we're all heading in, in that general call to give ourselves to making disciples through the lo- through the local church. Okay? Again, if you, if someone's not doing that, then they're not fulfilling God's calling on their life. It's just that simple. But then secondly, this is the this is the specific call and it's it's where God places us specifically and how God has gift, how God has gifted us in order for that to be accomplished. And It brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he's talking about spiritual gifting here. But he says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I, uh, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost." Verse four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, so when if you if you're here and you trusted Christ. The Spirit of God came to live within you and sealed you, is what Ephesians chapter 1 says. At that point, again, I don't understand it all. I, have, I don't know how he did it, but he did it, according to the Bible. He gifted us differently. Okay? So I have certain gifts that you don't have, and you have certain gifts that I don't have. And it's according to those in the context of the local church that he directs us specifically on how we're going to fulfill his calling in our life. And one simple subpoint, so... This is really, the specific call on a life is really where I would get tied up on being confused as a kid, not understanding, you know, okay, I know there's certain things I'm supposed to witness. I know there's certain things I'm supposed to do, right? But it was those, I wanted to know the specific. I wanted to know, how is God going to take me and direct me here, okay? But, man, I I think a lot of people, they get way too mystical with it. And, man, if they'll simply submit their life to the general call, God begins to open up the the path for their specific call. Does that make sense? If I give my life to those first two things, the local church, and I give my life uh, to making disciples, man, he will begin to direct our paths and show us what our specific calling looks like in the midst of that. And this is why I say that, because we're talking about spiritual gifting here with a specific call. Here's your sub-point. These spiritual gifts are found by serving. That's how our spiritual gifts are found, is by serving. Now, I'm actually for, I'm for the spiritual gifts test. I actually, we've talked about doing those before, me, Brother Lee, and, and Daniel. Um, and I think they're great. I think maybe that's something we can, we can get into. But regardless, nonetheless, you really won't find out where God has gifted you until you submerge yourself in service in the context of a local church. That's how God directs us. So, man, I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. Again, back to example of me as a kid. I think it's a dangerous thing when Christians, they want to know the specifics when they're not willing to give themselves to the general. That's a dangerous thing. And God has called us to these things, and if we give our life to him, he will begin to direct our path and show us those specific things. And then number three. So we've, we've, we've laid out who God's calling and what he's calling us to. And we've laid out the types of callings. But number three, this, is, this will be real devotional. And this is where we're getting back to Moses here in Exodus chapter 3. But number three, answering God's call. I want you to see the importance of that on answering God's call. And again, this will propel us into some other things that we'll look at in the future that I believe are tied to why Moses was where he was at in this time in his life, that God used that. God used him being in the wilderness for his purposes. Okay? God, Moses didn't desire to get to the wilderness. Now, he sinned. He killed a guy. Kind of a pretty big deal, right? He sinned. But nonetheless, God used that. Back to that Romans eight twenty eight thing. God used where Moses was at to fulfill his calling. But I just want to give you the broad scheme here on answering God's call. Look at verse uh, Exodus 3, 3 again to see the call. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Okay, that's what I want us to do. I want us to simply turn to the Lord now and and, and and see why it's so important that we give our life to the calling He's placed on our life. And see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Verse 4, and when the Lord saw that He turned aside, that's obviously, that's oftentimes what God's desiring that we do. When He sees that we're interested, when He sees that we're coming to Him with a humble heart, when He sees that we, we understand that we, we are in need of what he has to say. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. So again, four simple things I want you to see that we can take home with us to show us the importance of this. Answering God's call will require, letter A, answering God's call will require us to remove some things from our life. Answering God's call will require us to remove some things from our life. Exodus 3, 5. Notice after God begins to, to talk to Moses, notice what he says. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. So what it, what it, God's telling Moses, hey, hey, where you're coming to me, I am Holy. But it's giving us a devotional takeaway here that sometimes there's things in our life that can't remain there if we're going to press into God's calling on our life. And I would say, maybe, in, in, a, in, in the church of Laodicea, because that's where we're at, I would say that's sometimes why people are not interested in fulfilling God's calling on their life. Is there, there's some things they're just not willing to unhitch from. But notice Hebrews chapter 12 and naturally, when we say something like that, you know, where my mind, if, if I were you, I would be thinking he's talking about sin. And obviously, sin is part of it. I mean, if there is a, if there is a habitual sin in my life, man, I've got, to, I've got to get rid of that thing. I've got to confess it and repent of that if I want to submit my life to God's calling. But even more than just sin, I want you to see there's other things. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, this is a discipleship verse. What's the big deal with this verse? He's showing us that there are some weights in our life that are not actually sin. There are things that are in my life that maybe are not rebellion against the Lord, but man, it may be holding me back from God's calling in my life. And what God, is call, what God is saying here is if we want to give our life fully to this calling, man, sometimes we got to get rid of those things. And again, I can't preach to that. I don't know what those are. Only the Spirit of God can make those known to you. But man, those things are things we have to get rid of. They're things that as Hebrews 12, 1, it, it slows us down in the race that God's called us to. Very, I mean, very simple analogy that the Apostle Paul is giving here. I, can't, I, I always think, to when I was uh, in high school, and we would, uh, in football, in football practice, we would always have to do conditioning drills with, with our pads and helmet on. Okay? But, man, there were some days, like Thursdays normally, where we got to do conditioning without shoulder without shoulder pads and without, without a helmet. And, man, you know what? You ran so much more free, freely that way because there's not all this extra weight that's on you. Okay? And, God, and, and the Apostle Paul is paralleling that with our Christian life. So we have to shed those things. Okay, letter B. Not only is it going to require us to remove some things, but letter B, really moving forward, I want you to see this. Answering God's call will have an effect on someone else. Answering God's call will have an effect on someone else. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. You know what I think? The, uh, one of the problems with Laodicea, when you go over in Revelation three and check that out, is the Laodicean is only consumed with himself. The, Jesus Christ says, "Hey, open the door and I'll come in to you, I'll come in." And the Laodicean says, "I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing." The Laodicean never reflects on the needs of somebody else. It's always reflecting upon the needs of themselves. And man, maybe... The reason that sometimes we don't give our, our lives fully to this calling is because we're just worried about us here and now. But man, what God is laying out here is, hey, hey Moses, I've got a calling on your life. I've got something I want you to do. And it's not just about you. It's about these people that I'm trying to help. And man, as we, as we uh, evaluate God's general call in our life, man, we got to understand this, this thing is bigger than us. This thing is greater than us. This thing is outside of just my own comforts and my own needs. And God desires to use us to fulfill those for other people. 2 Timothy 2, two, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Man, Paul's saying, hey, it's about the faithful men. Okay, man, maybe I'm discouraged. Maybe I don't feel like doing this or that. You know what? It's not about me. It's about the faithful men. It's about the faithful men that he desires to use to reach other faithful men. So it's about, it's about others rather than ourselves. And that's what God's letting, letting Moses know here. And then let her see, Answering God's call. Again, very devotional, simple things going just through, through this chapter. Answering God's call does not require personal strength. Answering God's call does not require personal strength. Look at verse 11. After, after the Lord's laid out his calling for Moses, he's told him, this is what I want you to do. Verse 11, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. So again, back to my analogy as a kid. When I would look at these certain people, and I thought, man, they, they got something that I don't have. They've got some kind of spiritual thing that I just don't have access. But you know what I was, you know what, what lie I was believing? I was believing the lie that God uses strong people. Because he doesn't. God uses weak people. And as you go through and as you study out the word of God, man, over and I could take you through example after example after example of God using the weakness of this world to confound the wise. That's what God does. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-28 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, which are, uh, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. So, man, you're here. And as you evaluate, can God use you? Does God have a calling on your life? Okay, well, let me tell you, the the only way that God will not use you in your life is if you're strong. Because he'll have to make you weak before he uses you. He only uses weak people. And we didn't get to it, but verse 29 in 1 Corinthians 1 says, it's because he wants no flesh to glory in his presence. If there is any way that I'm able to steal the glory from God because of my charisma or because of my abilities, then God's not interested in that. He only uses weak things. He uses weak people. And then letter D. So again, some simple things. Answering God's call will require us to remove some things. Answering God's call, it's important because it has an effect on other people. It doesn't require personal strength. And then letter D, and this is a great comfort. Answering God's call brings safety. Answering God's call brings safety. Verse 13 in Exodus 3. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And Moses is concerned here. He knows he's not capable. He says, What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. A good cross reference for that, and brother Dan, you can come play that if you would, brother. A good cross reference for that is, is Psalm 46.1, which says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Okay, so what, what, Mo, what the Lord is trying to show Moses here in Exodus 3, when he thinks he's, un, he's, he's unable, he thinks he's incapable of such a task, he says, Moses, man, I'm going to be with you. And him using his own title of, of I am that I am, he's saying, man, I am present in every situation that, it, that you're going to face. Okay, man, and that brings us to Matthew 28, 19, 20, where he says, again, I quoted this earlier, but he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have have commanded you. And praise the Lord, that's the command. But then notice the comfort to that command. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Man, God, the the, the beautiful thing about the Lord, His grace and mercy, man, is offered to us because... Again, this calling—it is bigger than us. We don't have the ability to do it. I'm comforted oftentimes by by these men that acknowledge their their lack of ability, and the fact that Galatians 5 reminds us that man, if we do try to do it in our own ability, we're going to jack it up anyway. So what do we do, man? We surrender that thing to the Lord. We yield ourselves to Him and allow His ability and His strength to, to flow through us. So man, again, I don't know where you're at this morning. But again, the call of God. If you're last, I mean, if you're lost, then man, what's his call for you? His call is for you to repent. His call is to, to receive this invitation of salvation. Okay? Today, today is the day of salvation, is what 2 Corinthians 8 says. That's, that's his call in your life. And again, if we're saved, man, there's some general things that he's called us to. Man, we ought to give our life to that fully. So I'll let Daniel play and, and sing. If you want to do business with the Lord, you want to come forward, come forward. If you're lost, again, come forward. Grab my attention. I'll be happy to take a Bible and show you how you can receive the invitation of salvation. So do you do business with the Lord as the, as the Lord leads you.